0: We believe that the Deschutes is unique and that we can as a community be a model for the West on how we can successfully manage water and avoid crisis. But we need everyone in Central Oregon to care about water. We know that you care about water and we need you to understand how it works and to be an active part of the solution.
1: Welcome to Cascade Views, a discussion with Central Oregon leaders. Your host is Michael Seip, local business and community leader, best-selling author of The Avada Principle, and candidate for Oregon State Representative for House District 53, which encompasses Southern Redmond, Sisters, Tumalo, and Northern Bend. The purpose of these discussions is to share the views and insights of local leaders from a variety of community sectors on a range of timely and important regional and state issues. With that, now here is your host, Michael Seip.
2: Thanks for joining us on Cascade Views. This is Michael Seip, and I'm excited to welcome Kate Fitzpatrick to the show today. Kate is the Executive Director of the Deschutes River Conservancy. You can find out more about the Deschutes River Conservancy at deschutesriver.org. Kate assumed her position in 2021 after 16 years of experience at the organization managing and directing programs to collaboratively restore streamflow in the basin. She's skilled in water rights, transactions, negotiation, collaboration, and innovation, problem solving around complex issues. She has a degree in geology from Colgate University and a graduate degree in environmental studies from the University of Oregon. She believes in both rivers and in the power of community to work together to find solutions to potentially divisive natural resource issues. Kate's joining us today to talk about the Upper Deschutes Basin and the water issues we're facing, as well as what can be done to best concern for what we have.
0: Hi, Kate. Hi, Mike, happy to be here today.
2: Really glad to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to it for quite a while. First of all, tell us what the Deschutes River Conservancy does and why you're passionate about what you do.
0: Yeah, Mike, thank you. The mission of the Deschutes River Conservancy is to restore stream flow and water quality in the Deschutes Basin. So I am passionate about water. I grew up on lakes in Michigan and I frankly just love being in it. I'm also fascinated by working with all the different interests around water to find common ground, because good water and good water stewardship is critical for all of us, no matter what our political stripes or interests are.
2: And that's for sure. I think it will be um, really useful for you to expand a little bit on that, because the the organization's mission, vision, and, and maybe... Uh, a couple of the key values really help people understand, and I think it's it's going to frame the remainder of our discussion. So could you dive in just a little bit more on that?
0: Yeah, our key values are at the heart of our work, Mike. We are a, a bit of a different kind of conservation group, and it's important to step back briefly and talk about our origin story. So we were formed by a somewhat unique coalition of the Confederated Tribes of the Warm Springs, who are the Warm Springs Pasco and Paiute tribes that Lived and used these waters since time immemorial. Um, in partnership with Central Oregon Irrigation District, one of the largest irrigation districts in our basin, and environmental interests, at the time in the 1990s, we're, we're looking around and kind of recognizing that there was potential for water quality and water quantity issues to create conflict in the future. And they were looking around at the end of the spotted owl um, crisis and, and seeing how that devastated some rural communities and wanted to wanted to work together proactively to avoid conflict. So they together formed the Deschutes River Conservancy as an entity that would implement projects on the ground to restore stream flow and water quality, but to do it through consensus and collaboration. So the consensus and collaboration is as important to us as our mission. We operate under a 15-person board of directors that represent the diverse interests around water, irrigation, tribal, environmental, municipal, Um, And again, we we focus on collaboration and community building. We are also results oriented, really trying to get those projects in the ground. And we like to pride ourselves on our innovation, continuing to move different solutions and strategies forward using voluntary market-based mechanisms. So together we have restored significant stream flows to our waterways. uh, While in the process of, of doing that, improving agricultural operations and helping support our communities
2: that really is a unique set of values, particularly in, in uh, with a topic that's so contentious as this. And so that's one of the things that intrigues me about your organization. I think it's really laudable and, uh, and as you noted, pretty unique. I, I think it would be useful to highlight the main waterways or segments of waterways that are the primary focus in the Deschutes River Basin.
0: Absolutely. So we work in the whole Deschutes Basin from the headwaters, which are in Little Lava Lake to the south. Um, Hopefully everybody knows the river runs south to north. It's about 226 miles to the mouth of the Columbia. So we work in the whole basin, but the majority of our work is in what we call the Upper Deschutes Basin, which is upstream of the Pelton-Round Butte Dam complex, um, or what you probably know as Lake Billy Chinook. And this includes the Deschutes River proper, largely from below Wickiup Dam to the city of Bend, which we consider the upper Deschutes River and from the city of Bend to Lake Billy Chinook, which we consider the middle Deschutes River. Those, those reaches both suffer from stream flow issues. We also focus on White Juice Creek near Sisters, Tumalo Creek near Bend, and the Crooked River which runs through Prineville, all of which face stream flow and water quality issues. That's
2: helpful. Um... You know, we're talking about water and it's a big issue. I grew up in Arizona. Water was a big issue. I lived in California for a while. Water was a big issue. And now for the last couple of decades, I've been in Central Oregon and water is a big issue. So give us a little water history of the Deschutes River Basin. And I think for the purposes of this discussion, we're talking primarily about surface water, streams, rivers, lakes, as opposed to groundwater. Am I right?
0: Yeah, we care about both surface water and groundwater and they are connected in our basin. But really some of our biggest issues to date relate to major shortages in the surface water world. So surface water allocations for farmers and the actual amount of water in the rivers. Um, So let's talk mostly today about surface water. And um, so just some background, you have to know just a titch about water law to have a conversation. And in our state, and in most states in the West, the state manages the water. And under Oregon water law, the public owns the water. Um, it is useful to remember that indigenous people stewarded the water long before the oregon public existed and now under oregon public um, water law the the public owns the water Um, but the oregon water resources department is the agency that manages water rights for the state and so the state gave water rights a way to use the water and most of this action happened if you rewind the clock back in the late 1800s and the early 1900s in an effort to settle the West and and literally to make the desert bloom. So you had the federal government giving away free land in many cases, and you had the state giving away water rights to be able to settle that land and make it productive. So in doing so, sort of unwittingly, the state gave out more water rights than there was actual water in the river in the summer months. And this happened all over the state, but in the Deschutes Basin by, you know, 19... Oh, 05, there were more water rights given out than existed in the streams. <clears throat> um, also important to note that there was no thought at the time given to the value of water in the actual rivers themselves. And so the river never had water rights until 1987. So the water rights system operates on a first-in-time, first-in-right basis, which means those who got there first get the water first. Those with older, more senior water rights get served first in times of scarcity. So if you are Swalley Irrigation District in central Oregon, you have an 1895 water right, you are good to go. Um, If you are 1913 priority date, which is North Unit Irrigation District up in Jefferson County, you almost never get your full amount of water from the river, and particularly in a drought year. So in that case, the federal government actually came in again and built storage reservoirs to help shore up that reliability for the junior water users when the river couldn't meet their needs. Those system of reservoirs actually further altered the flow of rivers, creating more challenges for fish and wildlife and river function. That is the backdrop um, of which we're operating now 100 plus years later.
2: So what are a few of the problems that uh, that we're seeing now as a consequence of that 100-year-old water policy, or or maybe just in general that we're
0: seeing? Yeah, so we're seeing a system that's not working particularly well for rivers, or frankly, for many farmers right now in our basin, um, especially those with those junior water rights. We're also seeing more frequent and extreme drought conditions, which are exacerbating the existing water supply issues. Um, our water rights are managed by a system that's over 100 years old, and it's a rigid system of law and policy. Um, and it adheres to protecting senior water rights sort of at all costs above all other concerns. Um, and in addition, the system is not very nimble, and so it, it is hard to move water around to where it's needed, even when using voluntary incentive based tools.
2: So you've got some, you're working on this um, hard and have been for a while. What are some of the key solutions that you're advocating for to help with those issues?
0: Yeah, Mike, I mean, above all, we're trying to cultivate a a stewardship ethic around water across the board, whether you live in the city or whether you're an irrigator or whether you're someone who enjoys the river. From From a pragmatic solution standpoint, we are lucky to have a lot of actual strategies that will help us solve the problem. And I would put these in two major buckets. One is large-scale water conservation. And I can say more about that. And the other is creating more flexibility in moving water around. And that can fall into sort of the the water banking category. So I'll I'll spend a minute on water conservation because it's a really important piece of the puzzle here in Central Oregon. Um, Important to know that our irrigation water is delivered through eight different irrigation districts by and large. And those districts deliver the water through about 700 miles of canals and laterals that snake their way across Central Oregon. And if you think about Central Oregon's history, we're a volcanic geology and we have very leaky porous rock. And so these canals were really blasted into volcanic rock and they lose on average about half of the amount of water that you send down the canal into the ground. Um, well, that might be good for the aquifer. It's, it's not good for the river where the water came from, where you had to take out twice as much water. And it's not great for the farmer who has a hard time getting their water because so much is seeping into the ground. So one of the best solutions we have is actually going in and piping these leaking irrigation district canals. Uh, We have restored significant amounts of water throughout the basin from piping over the last 20 years. And all the irrigation districts have continued plans to pipe pretty aggressively over the next 20 to 30 years. So I would continue to expect to see um, canal piping projects happening and those projects actually restoring in stream flow to help out fish and wildlife. Um, In addition to the large scale conservation, We are also investing in smaller conservation activities, um, actually on farm. So for example, if you are a flood irrigator and you would like to upgrade to sprinkler irrigation, we have programs that can help cost share that for you so you can be more efficient with your water use. So really we're trying to optimize the most efficient system we can to get that water onto the ground for farmers um, and not losing that along the way into the system. And I think uh, I think we'll dive into to the concept of of water trading, water banking next, unless you have any any more. No, that's questions no, that's that? great.
2: I was uh, yeah, I've heard this this phrase water trading, um, and you alluded to it, or or uh, you mentioned the the phrase water banking a minute ago too. But um, yeah, tell us a little bit about this how this water trading works, and maybe you could give us a little hypothetical example and and illustrate it a little bit.
0: Yeah, so I know that the words water trading, water marketing, water banking, they could mean anything to any number of people. And so <laughs> I will try to define it clearly here on how we, we think about using this tool in the district space. And I will start with an existing program we have that is is maybe the simplest version of water banking and, and kind of go from there to the vision of where we're going with this. So um, we have a, a longstanding program that's called our in-stream leasing program. And so if you go back to water rights, um, when you have a right to use water, you have to use it for what the state considers beneficial use. And beneficial use is fairly broad, but generally in our basin, much of that is is agriculture. Um, In addition, in 1987, I mentioned the state added on uh, in-stream use as a legal beneficial use. And so you also have to use your water right once every five years to keep it um, keep it legal, keep it active. So if you're in a situation where you are holding water rights and you actually don't want to put your water on the ground that season, whether you're following acres or rotating crops or just moved in and are trying to figure out your irrigation system, we have a longstanding program where we will compensate you to lease your water in stream, which means the water will stay in the river and it will be protected by the state from diversion by other users. And so you are able to benefit the river; you get compensated for it, and it counts as a year of beneficial use that protects your water right for you into the future. Um, that tool we we employ with every irrigation district in the basin. And if you look at the Deschutes River below Bend, you know near Sawyer Park right now, I would say a third of the water that you see in that river is the summary of lots of different little in-stream leases that we have in the basin. So it's, it's a very effective tool. Um, what we're trying to do now is build on tools like in-stream leasing to actually create multiple benefits for, for multiple interests. So I mentioned that we have some some farmers, um, junior water rights holders up in Jefferson County that have a th- you know thriving agricultural community that are having a really hard time getting their water And I also mentioned that we've got um, some storage reservoirs that are creating low flows in the winter that that irrigation district relies on. So what we're trying to do now is actually incentivize uh, senior water rights holders that may not wanna use their water in a given year, let that water be picked up by junior water rights holders in exchange for winter flow restoration the following winter. So it's just a a little bit more complicated of a way to move water. And we're trying to wrap that all up into what we're calling a water bank. Um, And really the vision for the basin-wide water bank we're trying to create with all the partners is creating just an umbrella where we have the governance to... um, undertake different strategies to move water around in a way that's locally controlled by all the partners um, and that benefits all the users and is on a voluntary basis. So that's something that we're embarking upon now is really trying to expand the ability to flexibly move water around and take it from places where in a given year it may be less needed and put it to a use that's, you know, needing that water more in that year, in that moment.
2: What a creative solution. Um, this must keep you quite busy.
0: <laughs> we are quite busy, but you know, it's, it's a good challenge and a lot of fun to put all the the puzzle pieces together. I
2: bet it is. Uh, hey, as we begin to wrap up here, I, I could ask you a thousand questions, but, uh, but we need to kind of, kind of put this in a, in a bow. Um, you've enjoyed significant success over the years uh, at the Conservancy. Share just a little bit about some of the accomplishments over the years.
0: Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you know, one of our one of our sort of model reaches is White Juice Creek out near Sisters, where over the last 25 years we've helped restore a creek that ran dry almost every summer through the city of Sisters. And now you see a thriving creek that flows year-round and supports reintroduced steelhead and salmon, as well as native red band trout. And we did this with key partnerships with the irrigation district, the agencies, and other uh, conservation groups in the basin. So we're we're very proud of that and we see that as a model. Um, in addition, I mentioned that every every drop of water you see in the middle of Deschutes below Bend right now is from a project that we have done with irrigation districts, whether water marketing and, or water conservation. And this is a fourfold increase in flows. Similar story in Tumalo Creek. And I guess to wrap wrap that, one of the things we are, are proudest of is keeping the community together. Conflict is so easy in water, and particularly in drought years or or this year, which is the third year of extreme drought. And we just need to look south, you know, to Klamath County to see examples of this. We see conflict all around us. So the DRC sees ourselves as the bridge builders and glue that can really keep our community conversations going and to keep the projects rolling and to continue to push this innovation around water.
2: So good. Hey, in the last couple of minutes, is there anything you'd like to say today about DRC that you'd really like us to know that we haven't covered?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we need you, all of you who are listening in about water. Uh, We believe that the Deschutes is unique and that we can, as a community, be a model for the West on how we can successfully manage water and avoid crisis. But we need everyone in Central Oregon to care about water. We know that you care about water. And we need you to understand how it works and to be an active part of the solution. So on that note, um, I'm just going to make a pitch for some of the ways that you can get involved. Um, The DRC has launched what we're calling the Raise the Deschutes Seminar Series. And it's an effort to recognize that water is complex, but it should be available to everybody to understand. So we're diving into um, a different topic once a month for a year to give people the chance to really dive in. We've had two sessions already. They are all recorded. They are live streamed and you can come in person, but you can catch up on the two that you missed. Uh, Our next one is September 12th. It takes place at the Open Space Studio on 2nd Street in Bend. It is free to the public. Um, So that's one way you can really start to raise your water IQ. And if you go to www.raisededeschutes.com, org you will find out all the information you need to register for those Um, i would also make a plug for getting on the drc website to learn more and get on our mailing list we often um, provide a lot of information through those lists and the last thing i should mention is we are part of leading what we call the deschutes basin water collaborative and that's a 46 member group that is working on accelerating the project's to solve the water problems, and is currently working on a basin-wide comprehensive water management plan. So you can also find out about the Deschutes Basin Water Collaborative on our website and get involved with that if you wanna take a deeper dive.
2: Well, finally, as we, uh, as we finish up here, how can we help? Um, how can people get involved, not just in learning about what's going on, those are obviously awesome resources you mentioned, but how can we support the work that you're doing?
0: Yeah, support, support the groups that are doing that work, um, support the solutions. You know, piping is a tough one because I understand that some folks don't want to lose their water feature. It's a really important solution for the basin. So talk to folks, understand where they're coming from, but try to support projects like that um, and continue to advocate that we all steward water um, and work towards being able to manage it, you know, flexibly enough to meet the coming demands of the future.
2: Kate, it's been great having you on the show. I've learned a lot today. Um, I, uh, I think the uh, the main takeaway that I have out of this is a, um, a little clearer understanding of the concept of uh, water banking or water trading. That was really well spoken and really helpful to understand that. I very much appreciate your time and your message today.
0: Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much for having water on your show.
2: You bet. Uh, My guest for this show has been Kate Fitzpatrick, the executive director of Deschutes River Conservancy. You can find out more about um, DRC at deschutesriver.org. Deschutesriver.org. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thanks for listening to Cascade Views with Michael Seip. To find out more about Mike, the upcoming election, the key issues he's focused on, and his campaign to represent Central Oregon and Salem as a state representative, Visit www.avoiceforcentraloregon.com. That's www.avoiceforcentraloregon.com. You can get your own copy of Michael Sype's best selling book, The Avada Principle, at amazon.com. And finally, please vote in the upcoming election. Your voice matters.